You are listening to a podcast from The National. This week, The National spoke to Alistair Burt, the British Minister of State for the Middle East and North Africa. The chance to speak to the top British official was timely. Shamima Bedjam, who fled the UK when she was 15 to join ISIS, was found in a Syrian refugee camp recently. Four years later, she's now pleading to return home with her newborn. But what does this mean for the UK? as Shamima might be just one of many cases where former ISIS members plead to return to their countries. In this episode of Beyond the Headlines, Minister Burt breaks down the situation with Shamima and her child. He also discusses the crisis in the Syrian Rukban camp, where 50,000 refugees have been cut off from aid and left to starve. This is Beyond the Headlines. I am Nasr al-Wesmi, and here is Mina al-Drubi's exclusive interview with the British minister in Abu Dhabi. There's been a lot of uncertainty about the fate of Europeans that have joined ISIS that now want to return home. An example of that would be Shamima Bejan. And will the UK allow ISIS children and women uh, to return back? It depends on their nationality and status. Um, nobody is ISIS. Uh, everyone has a state. Um, we, uh, if um, they would uh, be able to return to the UK, if they have been involved in any of the activity uh, associated with terrorism, they would expect to be detained and investigated to see whether or not any offence has been committed, uh, and if so, appropriate punishment and justice would be given. But no one can be stateless, so if they are a UK citizen, if they're dual national citizens and have lost their British status, then they won't return to the United Kingdom. Children uh, born abroad uh, will, of course, be a very difficult category because, again, uh, the children will have been entirely innocent of the events around them. They may well have been badly damaged by what they've seen, and efforts must be made to ensure that in the future they've not suffered from that. So, at, at the very least, that they don't feel a sense of grievance and, and become involved in terror or extremism themselves. So these, are, these will be difficult cases to handle. Mm. For those who have committed offences abroad, uh, the United Kingdom is in favour of people being tried and sentenced and face justice abroad. We're not looking to bring people back just for the sake of it. That was my next question. Um, Shamima Bejim, she apologised to Britain for joining ISIS and she said that she's ready to face prison if she's allowed to return. Do you, will, I mean, as you said, will, will she be facing a fair trial if she returns back to the UK? Our system of justice is pretty good. Then she will, uh, it, firstly, um, if she chooses to return, um, and we can't fetch her from Syria because we have no consular representation in Syria at all. If she makes her way to a border, if she makes her way back to the UK, she is a UK citizen as far as I'm aware, and then she would be she would be handled appropriately. Um, but there is no doubt that she would face a perfectly fair trial in the United Kingdom based on what she'd done. Uh, and no citizen, uh, whatever they have done, uh, need fear that they do not. Moving on to the issue of Rukban, uh, there's been a, a recent UN delivery convoy, yeah. the biggest convoy to yeah. Rukban that's been done so far. But the UN is saying that this is only, it's only going to temporarily help solve the problem. It's not going to be sort of a long-term solution um, to help alleviate the suffering of those inside the camp. What is the UK aiming to do or what is the UK doing to ensure that there is a feasible solution, that, you know, there's a feasible solution that can be made to this issue? Rukban is, a, is a, a very genuine and serious difficulty. I mean, first and foremost, 
those who are there should have been catered for earlier. Uh, we have not seen any reason why a second convoy could not have been delivered much earlier than in fact it was. Um, it's, it's essential that people there uh, are treated reasonably and have a fair opportunity to live. But ultimately, of course, uh, we would want people to be able to return to where they've come from. But people will only do that if they feel safe. This is the issue when our fears at the moment in southern Syria, those who have returned to places where they've lived, have stories of being detained, being imprisoned again, their uh, uh, youngsters being conscripted, the disappearances, the regime is acting for those who have returned in exactly the same way as it returned uh, as it did previously, and people cannot return to those areas and face that sort of uh, that sort of regime. So it's essential that the international community, but principally those who have been aiding and supporting the regime, make sure that when people return to home areas, that doesn't happen. If people are safe, then rock band can be disbanded, mm -hmm. and people will be able to return safely. If that is not the case, then they must be protected from uh, the tragedies that they've seen around them. I, moving on to Yemen, um, the UK Parliament is, has established an all-party parliamentary group on Yemen. How will this group assist uh, Yemenis in attaining peace? Um, in actual fact, the all-party group for Yemen has been established for many years uh, and has been established uh, because one of our uh, prominent MPs, uh, Keith Vaz, was born in Aden and started the all-party group for Yemen some time ago. Um, our all-party groups manage to raise interest and awareness of, uh, of a country and of course we have these friendship groups for, for many states. I think in relation to Yemen what it does is it ensures that Parliament keeps focused. The group regularly raise questions about what is happening in Yemen. They question the government about what we are doing to try and aid the uh, prospects of peace and assist the UN process. Of course, question us about our humanitarian efforts and our relationships in the area. I think it's very important to keep public attention focused on Yemen. We, of course, hope that the uh, peace process is begun with the Stockholm Agreement and the hard work of the UN envoy. We hope that bears fruit. It will need all sides to recognize that confidence is very low and work very hard to make sure that the ceasefire and redeployment of troops uh, actually comes about so gradually the conflict can come to an end and the humanitarian process can intensify. And of course then the politics of Yemen can return to Yemeni people themselves who must ultimately uh, bring a conclusion to this. The Yemeni government um, has been made various calls to the international community to put pressure on the Houthis to comply by the Stockholm Agreement. Yes. Um, has the UK taken any role in this? Uh, our contacts with the Houthi, with the, with the Houthi are limited. Um, but we know other parties who are involved with them, and we have indeed taken that case. It is essential that the Houthis absolutely abide by the terms of the agreement, um, because they, they, of course, it was their insurgency that led to this issue in the first place, and they must be a major part of the solution as well. The UK is hosting an investment forum for Jordan, aimed at drawing foreign funding into a country the minister views as integral to the region. The minister said that Jordan, being home to up to one million refugees, is important to the future of the Middle East. When the Prime Minister was uh, in Jordan in 2017, she spoke of this partnership. We see Jordan as uh, uh, one of the keys in the region. Its stability matters, its economy matters. Now, we all know that Jordan has had to bear a very strong sense of responsibility with the number of refugees 
uh, that have been there, both Palestinian refugees and the Syrian refugees. And we wanted to, as well as making a humanitarian contribution, wanted to do our bit with a long-term partner who's been a great friend of the United Kingdom over the years to showcase where it's going in the future. And that's what the conference is all about. It provides the opportunity for Jordan to demonstrate what it's doing in terms of its path of reform, to look ahead to the sort of investment, public-private partnership opportunities uh, that it will be having, to showcase uh, young people and entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's the reason for the conference. As far as global reputation is concerned, global reputation for the United Kingdom will be the same post-Brexit as pre-Brexit. What do you perceive to be Jordan's biggest challenge in growing its economy? Like a number of states in the region, it faces demographic pressures. Um, its uh, education system has got to mature in order to be able to provide the education that young people need to go into the jobs. Like many other states in the region, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of employment in the public sector and the private sector needs to really get going and be, uh, and be part of the future. And then there's the long-term economic reforms based around the fact that uh, if the economy is very heavily dependent on the public sector, you've got to make sure that the money you've got coming in is able to pay what needs going out. So it's a combination of things, but His Majesty the King's very forward-looking uh, at the economy as well as his own uh, state in terms of its politics. All this makes it a, a good bet for people who want to invest and say, here is a place in the region which is good news and we want to encourage that. Um, Jordan has taken on a huge toll of re a, re a refugee population. What could other nations learn um, from its decision and what could they be doing better? Um, Jordan has taken on uh, a significant number of uh, refugees, some 600,000 officially registered, but everyone assumes there's more, there may be up to a million. States need to help and support a host nation when it is looking after uh, refugees, and that's what, uh, because that's what Jordan has been doing. It, dealing with Syrian refugees has been the United Kingdom's largest ever humanitarian effort. We've uh, so far 2.7 billion pounds the United Kingdom has spent supporting refugees, both those internally displaced, those in Lebanon, in Turkey, in Jordan, um, and I think that of course has been matched by other uh, countries in the region, and the UAE has been very supportive of, uh, of those efforts. So I think what states need to know is, is how they can support Jordan in these efforts, but then of course it's making sure that Syria in the future is safe for refugees to return to, and that's why the UN process has got to succeed. And there has to be a different form of rule in Syria where people will be safe, not uh, be in a state where the causes of conflict will still be there. I'd like to thank Mina Drubi and Alistair Bird for their time. Follow our coverage on the latest happenings of the region on the national.ae. You can find this podcast on our website or your favorite podcasting app. I've been your host, Nasr al-Wesmi. Thanks for listening and goodbye.